0: super excited to be here today. Listen, God has given me a download, and uh, I'm really going to do my best to get through this morning and get everyone out so we don't have the Spanish service trying to squeeze in here with you all, okay? But I believe that this this is an exciting time to be alive. Amen? We were born for such a time as this. There has never been a better time to be alive on the earth than there is right now. Right, no one else has gotten to live through some of the things that we've lived through over the last eighteen months. Right, we're already miracles. So I'm a miracle. Come on, I'm a survivor. I'm a thriver. Right, I'm a, I'm am I'm a, I'm a victor. Right, come on, that's who we are. But you know, the, every year as as it comes to the to the new year, I um, will always take some time in prayer, and the Lord kind of gives me as He does many people. Um, A a, a word or a theme for the year and everyone has their own version but I'm gonna give you mine because it was from the Lord all right but the Lord spoke to me He said this year in 2022 is gonna be a year of healing it's gonna be a year of healing and it's gonna be a year of restoration the restoration of the root system the restoration of the root system and I've really been meditating on what that means because, you know, we're supposed to be a fertile ground, aren't we? Our hearts are supposed to be fertile ground. And the, and the Word of God is like a seed. And when we take the seed of the Word of God and we plant it in our hearts and we listen to it, and we, you know, we're supposed to be 30, 60, 100 fold. We're supposed to be producing fruit, right? Now, have you noticed that sometimes it seems like the kind of fruit that grows isn't the kind of fruit you want? So what's going wrong? There is something up there, right? And we know the problem is not with the seed. This, this, this word is not going to change whether you like it or not. You can be offended at this word if you want to be. It's not going to change to please you, right? It's not a popularity contest. It's been around thousands of years. It's the inspired word of God, and it doesn't give a rip what you think about it, right? That's the truth. It's not going to change for you. So you can do, you can you can criticize the word if you want to, but the seed is going to be the seed, and the seed is gonna is gonna grow when it's in the conditions for it to grow. So I started meditating on this, and the, and the Lord took me to some scriptures here, and I show you this. We'll go here in in Mark chapter sixteen, and we're going to look at a, a, quite a lot of scripture today, um, but but. But I want you to, I want you to get some, some really important points here. God wants to do something in our hearts first. You know, many people think that healing starts, you know, it's in the flesh, it's in the body. No, no. Healing starts in the heart first. People get healed on the inside and then they see the healing on the outside. By the time that power reaches your lower extremities, it mean it's been in there a long time. It's been cooking a long time, Right? But it starts with the condition of the heart. I want to look at, at some, some scripture here about some people really um, that had some heart issue. You know, the Bible, I love the Bible because it's full of, of really flawed people. People that just didn't actually have it all together. I mean, you look at the disciples, I'm like, they're like disciples. I mean, sometimes it's, it's like, are they really that dense? I mean, I've got to be careful, I'm going to meet them one day. And it gives me great hope to know that one day I'm going to get to heaven and and I'm going to meet these great men and women of, of, of God that did amazing things, but it really wasn't anything to do with their superior intellect. It wasn't really their great experience or accomplishments. It was the grace of God on their life that he would pick people that were not perfect, that were completely ordinary flawed people and do extraordinarily amazing miracles through them. Man, there's, there's, there's grace for me yet, right? There's, there's hope for me yet. Thank you, Jesus. So I want to I go to this scripture here, and I want to go to lots of scriptures, so I'm, I'm, I'm revelating as I'm preaching here. But I'm going to look here in Mark 4. This is the parable of the sower. And we're going to pick it up in, in verse 14. It says, The sower sows the word, and these are those uh, beside the path where the word is sown. But when they hear Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. These are people who just get distracted, right? Come on, anyone ever been distracted? Some of you are distracted right now, I can tell, because you didn't hear the question, okay? Right? It says these are the ones that, 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 and it's Satan, notice this, the thief is Satan. He's the thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And if he can take the seed of the word of God from you, he knows he's won half the battle, you see, when Satan attacks us, it's, it's not personal. He doesn't care who you are. He'll attack anyone, right? But he's after the word to stop it from bearing fruit in your life because he knows how dangerous the word of God is to his kingdom. So he's after it, right? He says he comes immediately. He doesn't taste any time. One thing that we can say about the enemy is he's punctual. You can guarantee he's going to show up, right? He comes He, he comes immediately. Takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. Others likewise are seen so, seed, rather, sown on rocky ground, who when they hear the word of God, immediately receive it with gladness. But they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. But afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises, for what? The word's sake. Remember, it's not you. You're not the target. You're just the container, right? And if you get in the way, then then he'll take you down too, right? But he's, he's, the enemies, the persecutions are rising for the word's sake. Immediately, they will fall away. And many people, I believe, are in this this rocky ground. They're stuck in this place. I want to show you something, because this is, gives me great hope. Have you got a picture? I sent a picture in. Joelle, I don't know if you got it or not. It's a, it's a picture. I don't know whether you can put it up. See this picture? Look at that handsome man. He's pretty handsome. Look at those legs, babe. Look at them. Okay, so... anyway I'm gonna move on before I embarrass myself this tree it's not a small tree actually what are you are you like five five ten something like that we'll go with five ten okay you're five ten six two yes yes on the inside he's a giant okay five ten in heels wow that's quite a picture so you can see this tree i don't know it's probably it could be 30 feet tall um i'm, I'm not sure right but it's, it's a big it's a big old tree right going on there and it's chosen a rather interesting place to grow right i mean at some point there is a better a better perspective at some point this whacking great tree was a seed and it and it was dropped probably by a bird or an animal or something and it found itself in a little crevice in this rock in a hard place, but there was so much power, there was so much life, there was so much potential in that seed that no matter what the circumstances or the hardness of the ground around it, that seed was determined to bear fruit. You see that? And this actually gives me a lot of hope because I feel like sometimes my, my heart has been a little hard. It's been a little rocky. It's been a little beaten up by the things of the world and the circumstances of life and trauma and stuff. I mean, anyone here would say, has, would say that I've had a really easy life? Anyone? No. It usually goes over just about like that, unless you're maybe a day old or something, okay? And praise God we don't have to remember going down the birth canal, right? <laughs> but, he, but here's the thing. God takes us and he'll, he can calls us to become fruitful no matter where we've started from, right? But there is something that has to happen. If that seed just landed and ended up in that rock, that, a crack in that rock, and it did nothing, even though the surroundings were, might have been harsh, but it did something. It put down roots. It put down roots. And this is the key. Because there are many people that they hear the Word of God, and maybe they've come from a hard place. Maybe they're in a hard place right now. Maybe their heart is just hurting. But something happens when we allow the seed of that Word to put down roots. This is the difference maker. It goes on and it says, Others, others are like seeds sown among thorns that hear the Word of God, but the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and desires of other things. They choke the Word of God, and it proves to be un, unfruitful. He said, "If you notice, you never have to plant weeds." I'm not really big into gardening. Okay, I do. I do like the. I do like gardening, but I'm not very good at it. I should say. I mean, Jesus, right? You know, he he was into gardening. He was, he was into gardening. You think about it. First thing God made was a garden. Okay, where did um, Jesus show up after the resurrection? He was in a garden, right? He had a, He was a bit of a gardener. Okay, likes liked, liked to garden. So, you know, I want to be like my Savior. So I do like to try and dabble in the yard now and again. Okay. But I'm not very good at it, and, and, but I, one thing I have noticed is that you really don't have to plant weeds. They grow without any permission. They just grow. You don't. Have, why is it that plants, and this is a real question I'm trying to learn myself here, why is it that you have to take exceptional care of your plants? You have to, is the right soil and the right amount of water, light, you know, sun, shade? They're fussy things, okay? But weeds—they don't—they don't—they'll grow anywhere. They'll literally grow. I mean, they're both plants. It Does, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? You don't have to plant a weed. It's just—it's just, it's just going to grow. And sometimes these weeds are like like it's talking about here. They come up and they choke the plant, or they come up and they choke the word of God from becoming fruitful in our life. Maybe we'll hear a word about healing. Maybe we'll hear a word about prosperity or deliverance or salvation, whatever it is, and we're in in an environment where we can hear those things, but it doesn't bear fruit. Does anyone here want to see more fruit of the word of prosperity in their life? More fruit of the word of healing in their life, right? Come on, right? But there are some things that we can do because it's not just all about the environment. Yes, you know, you're targeted because Satan wants to come and steal the seed from you. He knows how much potential is in that Word of God. He knows just what it can do for him, right? He knows what, what the, the hard ground may be, the, the crustiness that we all have, the conditions of our heart, the things that we've been through. But it's not all about the conditions. There are some things that we can do. I want to show you this. Look, 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 don't, look on down a little bit further it says, still others, is in verse 20, are like seeds sown on good ground and they hear the word of God and receive it and bear fruit 30, 60 or a hundred times as much. Now the seed has not changed, right? Same seed, same sower, right? Different types of ground. The difference with this seed is it's been received just like the others have? They were all the other types were received pretty quickly with gladness, right? People were happy about the word of God, but they didn't do anything with the word of God. This is a problem. Now God wants us to put down roots. These people, these these people in the in the fourth type of ground, they've put down roots. They've not only heard the word of God. Everyone's heard the word of God, right? They're, actually, it says in, in Romans, I think it's around verse twenty-eight that the, even the world are without excuse because all of creation is made to know the voice of the Father. is made, made to respond to their creator, right? So they, even the world's without excuse. But it's what do we do with the Word of God? And I believe this year of healing is as much about discipleship as it is about anything else. God is calling us to be people of the Word of God. He wants to restore our root system You see, there's something about roots. When you put roots down, roots bear fruit. You can have a packet of seeds that are never planted, right? They're going to say seeds in the packet. But when you plant that seed in your heart and you receive it with gladness and you allow it to literally put down roots in your life, that is where the fruit grows. Being the avid gardener that I am, I decided to do a little bit of a digging, literally, on what the function of a root is. You know, inside the root, there's, there's a substance that determines how tall that plant will grow. Isn't that, isn't that fun? It determines how, how big and how wide and how strong and how fruitful that plant will grow. It's all determined by the root system. Now, you'll notice that big tree picture that I showed you, that's got to have pretty big roots to grow a pretty big tree in such rocky ground. The deeper the roots, the stronger the tree, the taller that it can grow, the more fruit that it can produce and the less likely it is going to be knocked down by the storms of life. You think about this for a moment. You know, uh, we had... um, Forest fires where we live. This was about ten years ago now, and um, on the the hillside there, massive deforestation. All the pine trees were kind of stripped away, and then the following year we had horrible landslides, mudslides. Because whenever it rained, there was no roots in the ground to hold that soil in place. You see, one of the functions of the roots of uh, the root system is to keep you grounded. Is to keep you grounded. Right? So if, with, without any roots left in the soil, not only is the, is the plant not going to survive, it's not going to grow very big, but when there is the least amount of resistance, it's going to be swept away. It's not going to be able to withstand in the coming times. And this is one of the reasons I believe that the Lord wants us to restore our root system. Because if we have our roots in something other than the Word of God, it's shifting sand. It's not going to last. What happens when the doctor says you've got cancer? What happens when he's in and gives you a negative report? If you don't have your root system in the Word of God, you know, you're going to be moved by that. Who wouldn't be, right? The world of God, the, the, the world rather, would say, you know, that's a terrible report. You know, when you look in your bank account and, you, and it looks like you don't have all of the money you need to do everything God's called you to do, if you don't have, if you're not rooted and grounded in the promises of God, you're going to be moved to a heart level and you're going to be tempted to worry, right? You know, we're experts at worrying. Worrying is just faith in the wrong things. Faith in reverse, right? If you can worry, you can believe. Same mechanism. Amen. It's just been used for something wrong. That's all, right? You can go around your day doing your job, worrying all day long. You can do two things at once, even men. <laughs> That's for the ladies, right? So if you can worry all day long, guess what? You can believe God all day long, amen? You can you can have the word of God meditating, rolling around in your head all day long. You can just replace that with something positive. But if we don't have a strong root system, we're gonna be moved when those storms come. Now, a fun thing I found out in my, in my experience Study of what is it called? Botany or I don't know. Anyway, what is it called? Horticulture. That sounds much better. We'll go with that one. Um, the first root that breaks through the seed is called the radical. How many radicals do I have in here? Come on now, right? It's the one that breaks through. It's the one that breaks out. And when the roots start breaking out of the seed, the seed has done its job. It's now, it's just all about um, strengthening those roots and nourishing that plant and and coming to a place where where those roots are deep and strong. You know, in Psalms, it has a lot to say about this. Let's look over here in uh, Psalms chapter 1. This is a great visual. But we're supposed to be like trees. You know, there's so, there's so much in the scripture that compares us to plants, strangely enough. Hang on, I might need two hands for this. Okay, here we are. <laughs> this is where bookmarks would have been really helpful. Okay, so this is this is in Psalms chapter 1, right? In verse 2, it says, But his light is in the law of the Lord, and he, in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and brings fruit fo- forth fruit in its season and its leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. You're not gonna be like the ungodly. You're not gonna be like the world. When you meditate in the word of God day and night, what you're doing is is you're not just being hearers of the word, but you're allowing that seed to germinate and put down roots. You see, we can walk in and out of this building, you know, every day of the week. Some of you do, I'm sure you've got lots of staff here, okay? But that doesn't make you a word person. You can sit in a lot of services, but that doesn't make you a word person, right? when, When the word gets on that, you can be around the word a lot. How many of you went to a Christian school, right? You're around the word a lot, okay? But that doesn't make you a word person. You see, being around the word doesn't make you a word person. Getting the word in your heart makes you a word person. It's what you do with it. You don't really just be hearers of it. But if we want to see more healing, if we want to see more prosperity, and every other promise is in the Word of God, we've got to get that Word on the inside of us. And that means developing a root system. It says that you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, it doesn't wither. That means that you become recession proof. Think about that for a moment, right? You know, the Lord told Isaac, we're not gonna go there for, for time, but you know the Lord told Isaac to sow in a year of famine. In a year of famine, when the world was losing its ever loving mind, he says, you know what you need to do? Get some seed in the ground. Get some seed in the ground. Put down some roots. You need to be rooted. When we, when we have our roots in the Word of God, it makes us recession proof. He says, it doesn't matter what the world is doing, your leaf your prosperity is not based upon the world. Your health is not based upon the condition of your flesh. It's based upon the word of God. He sent his word and healed us. Psalm one hundred and seven twenty. he sent his word and healed us. Amen. That means, look, if it's going on in your flesh, right? It's going on in the world, right? So we, we can change that perspective around. So, well, what does it say in the word? Never mind what's going on in my flesh. What's going on in the word? The Word says, I'm, I'm like a tree with roots planted by, by the river, and wherever I do, whatever I do prospers. And He sent His Word and healed me. When we put down roots, we have chosen not only to receive the Word, to hear the Word, but to receive the Word with gladness. Remember, we just read this in Mark chapter 4, that the, the ones that grow 30, 60, 100 fold aren't just those that hear the Word. They're those that hear and receive the word. Many of, many people are stuck because they're hearers of the word. They're not receivers of the word. Receivers of the word are those who have allowed the seed to germinate by meditation. This isn't a weird thing. Um, I always think meditation is like, you know, should I sit cross-legged? But this word meditate, you know, in verse 2, it says, He's law and he meditates in it day and night. This means to speak it, study it, utter it, roar it like a lion, or imagine it. There's a lot in there, Right? To, to take time to allow the Word of God to get on the inside of us, to spend time in, int- in intimacy um, with the Lord. You know, I love that song that we were singing. I mean, out I looked up the, the lyrics here so I'd have them. But I heard the Lord singing this back to me. You know, he says, I just want to move your heart. The Lord says, I just want to move your heart today. I want to move your heart. It's all I want to do. I just wanna stand in awe and pour out my love on you. Think about this. This is the creator of the universe. He's not a distant God. He just wants to move your heart, right? He says, no matter how much the cost, he paid Jesus for you. I freely give it all to you, to you, your love made away, Man, I love that. It's all I wanna do. He says, I just wanna move your heart, get caught within your gaze. Right here in your presence, that's where I want to stay. Just to dwell in your house. God wants to dwell in our house. He wants to catch our gaze. Amen. He wants to spend time with us. He says, oh, just to dwell in your house and waste my hours and my days on you. Man, he's given everything for us. Man, let's give him a little time this year. Let's give him a little part of our hearts this year. So look at this. In um, This is in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going a little off-piste here, so the Lord's doing something. Thank you, Lord. Ephesians chapter 3. You know, sometimes we get so wrapped up in the things, we forget the the reason that we're here. But it says, this is Ephesians 3, verse 14. It says, for this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You're part of the family of God. I like that. You know, when, you, when, you, when we looked to each other just during worship, when we, we said, we're family. You know, this year, we need to be family. There's healing for families too. There's healing for families. There's restoration that he would give to you according to the riches of his glory, power to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. We want to be people of faith and power. And we want to see miracles. I love seeing miracles, right? It floats my boat. It really does, okay? But you know where miracles come from? It comes from love. Faith works by love, right? Years ago, the Lord told me that the breach to miracles was found in the secret place, in the secret place, those who dwell in the shadow of the Almighty, right? But it says that we may be rooted and grounded in love. And when we're rooted and grounded in love, that we might be able to comprehend, to understand, in other words, with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of God, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. And then it says, Now to him who's able... So when we're rooted and grounded in love that goes beyond our natural knowledge, but actually if you read this in the Amplified Bible, this is this is experience. I want you to experience the love of God that goes beyond your natural knowledge. Let in our pursuit of God, let's not throw out our experience of Him. This is really important. Because we can find ourselves on one ditch or the other and neither will bear good fruit, okay? We need to make sure that we're, we're people of the word, but we also take time to read the word of God, meditate on it and experience his love. How many of you have ever heard God tell you that he loves you? That should be everyone. I'm talking about hearing your father tell you I love you. I'm proud of you. You need to hear that with your, you need to hear that on the inside. You need to hear that with your heart. Amen. Not just read about it. There is something that happens on the inside. There is a place of intimacy on the inside where the love of God and He every, you know, you just anyone that's raised kids, how many parents do I have in here? Parents, grandparents? Something happens when you tell a kid, you look him in the eye and say, I love you. I'm proud of you. Something changes. It, it moves us at a heart level, right? It's, it's like, no, you, you don't have to be parent of the year. Trust me, my kids are here. They can tell you I ain't parent of the year, right? We don't know, they can tell you all the dirt right there, okay? But one thing I believe that they do know that we've told them a lot and we've demonstrated is that we love them. And, and you know, love covers a multitude of sin. Love isn't concerned with where you've been. Love isn't concerned with what you've done or who you've slept with, right? Or the words that even come out of your mouth. Love goes beyond all of that. And when we are rooted and grounded in the love of God, tell you what, our faith becomes alive. And then it says in verse 20, and now finally you've got it. And God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or even think according to the power that works in us. You see, when we have a revelation of the love of God on the inside of us, healing's not a big deal anymore. Why wouldn't God heal me? My Father in heaven is crazy about me. Suddenly, depression doesn't have anything to hook onto anymore because you don't care whether people like you or not, right? Because your Father in heaven thinks you're like the best thing ever. He just wants to stand looking at you, gazing at you. You know I had a vision one time that I was in I was in in heaven. I was just really aware that I was like in heaven. I don't know when I'm in heaven and God gives me visions, I always seem to be like a little girl. I think that's because that's what I need, right? But I'm like, I probably, I don't know, about five years old. And there's a whole a whole row of people standing there and, and angels with their big wings that are kind of getting in the way. And I'm getting like, come on, you get out of the way. There's so many wings everywhere, right? And, and in the end, I just crawl down on the floor and I'm pushing my way through the crowd, going on my hands and knees between these legs and these wings and feathers and everything else. And they're going, ooh, ah, man, this is, I'm like, this is so exciting. I want to get to the front and see what all the fuss is about. And when I get through the crowd and I get to the front, there's a throne of God and the father is sitting on the throne with something on his lap. And there's a bit more wings and more angels. And I'm like, get me in here. And finally, I, I reach to his feet and I'm climbing up on his lap and I'm looking. And, he's, and the father says to me, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And I look into the arms of an infant that he's holding and it's me. That's how he feels about you. You are the most precious thing he has ever created. And he just wants to stand and give an awe of you. Man, just think about that for a moment. We need to allow God to love us because he's not like a father that we've had on earth. Amen. And when we allow God to love us, we become rooted and grounded in him. To where no storms of life can ever push us down. No bully on the playground can ever get one up on us. Amen. No cancer, no sickness, no disease can dare come near our, our bodies anymore. Well, we don't have to doubt whether God's going to provide because he's, he's a good father. They wrote a song about that, right? The good, good father. Amen. Because good, one good wasn't good enough. Okay. When something's good, you're gonna say it twice. Say it again. Pastor. Right? Come on. Right? I, mean, I don't know if I was just having a little white girl moment during worship or during during announcements there. But when you when you said, you know, they they're down with those people, I heard may Jesus say, I'm down with you. I'm like, I think that's good. He's down with me. White girl moment right there. I don't know what that means, but I think it's good. But anyway, I'll take it. I'm gonna take it. Amen. I want to look at a couple of people in the Bible and then we're gonna to get to praying for people. We're gonna get praying for people, okay? But um there's a couple of people in the scripture that we can see came from different backgrounds. They were rooted in different places, and it affected how they how they walked with Jesus. And the Apostle John and and Peter. Now John was the youngest disciple, maybe around sixteen, and Peter was older, he was married, okay, and um you know, they obviously had diff- some different life experiences. One was older than the other, different different things going on. But John describes himself constantly through his gospel. And he's the one that, that writes the more, most about love than any other disciple. He gets it. He gets it. He's the one that calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. Only a, a 16-year-old punk would write that, okay? But... <laughs> Yeah, by the way, I'm the one that he loved, you know, just uh, didn't even put his name in there. Just, I'm just the one he loves, you know. He was so confident. He was so secure in the love of God that he just didn't even try to hide it, right? He's unashamed of the fact. He's the one that laid his head on Jesus' bosom, right? And, and he was secure. He was probably a bit naive, maybe a bit, you know, younger, right? But, but he just knew that God loved him. And when he was at the cross... You can read, for the sake of time, I'm just going to tell you, but in John um, 19, when the, the crucifixion, right? When Jesus is dying there, he actually gives John a purpose. He says, John, this is my mother. Now now she's your mother, right? So he knew that he was loved and he knew what his purpose was. This was one secure dude, okay? And he, he acted a little older. He, he acted a little different. He walked a little bit more bullshit, a little bit with a little more attitude maybe, because of that, because he was in security. But Peter, you know, he, this is really interesting. Some of the disciples followed Jesus, but some of them were chosen. Peter was chosen. And I believe that this was really significant for him. He needed to be. He needed to be, okay? Some of us need to understand that we were chosen, right? We were chosen. We didn't just follow along with the crowd, but God marked you. He picked you. Even in the middle of your mess, even in the middle of your distress, he chose you. And he doesn't make a mistake. Amen. Say, I'm chosen. Come on. You're chosen. Actually, the word says you're chosen and highly favored, seated with him in heavenly places. Come on. Right? You're chosen. You know, and and so he was the one that got out. Remember, he was the one that got out and walked on the water. No one else did that. Right? So he was one that used to act first and and think later. (laughs) I love it. I love it. But I want you to think about for a moment what the, what the last experiences were of Jesus. One of, you know, Peter wasn't there at the crucifixion. He couldn't be because he was racked with guilt. He was racked with guilt. You see, his last experience of Jesus was quite different from Peter's, um, Peter's experience, last experience of Jesus was quite different from John's last experience. John's last experience was, you know, you're the disciple I love. And by the way, take care of my mom. That was purpose. That was love, right? That was his, that was his he had a, a mission. But Peter had a different experience. Look at this in, um, it's going over to Luke. Luke 22. Luke 22 in verse 61. So this is after Jesus has been arrested in verse 61. And, um, you know, the, the, it says, while he was yet speaking, verse 60, that while he was yet speaking, the rooster crowed. And Jesus had already told him, you're going to deny me three times. The rooster's going to um, crow, and you're going to deny me three times. And, and Peter was so adamant. He's like, no, no, I, I love you, Lord. You know, you, you're, you're, the, you're the Messiah. But Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me. Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had told him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter went outside and he wept bitterly. He was so crushed. He was so racked with guilt and with shame that he had a very different picture. He couldn't, he couldn't stand at the cross and watch Jesus be crucified. There was some, he just, in his mind, he'd let God down in such, in such a big way. In the moment when he needed him the most, he wasn't there for him. Imagine that for a moment. Being, being the, last, the last picture that you have is someone being taken away and you didn't even show up for someone that you just said before that you were going to commit your life to. The guilt and the shame in that must have been um, crushing. You know, and the problem with guilt and shame is it'll actually stop the seed of God's word from putting down roots. In the same way that love causes that seed to germinate and put down roots, guilt and shame and condemnation and anything else the enemy might have on offer for you will literally stop you from putting down roots where you and, and stop you from bearing fruit. It causes unbelief. So look at this is Jesus being raised from the dead now, and you see these two disciples had different responses. And um, this, this is interesting. So Jesus is um, being raised from the, come, coming back out of the grave, right? And you'll see what unbelief does to people. Actually, I'm reading, um, this, this is a scripture um, in verse, uh, this is in Luke 24. Um, and it says, uh, where are we going here? The resurrection of Jesus in Luke chapter 24. So this is, the Marys show up and, um, you know, they're, they're they see that the tomb is empty. Um, and they says they remembered his words that the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And then on the third day, he was gonna raise again. Verse nine, he says, and they returned from the tomb and reported all of these things to the 11 and to the rest. It was Mary, Magdalene, and Joanna, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But their words seemed like fables to them and they did not believe them. But Peter, he rose and ran to the tomb. There was something on the inside of Peter that just had to go and have a look. He says, he rose and he ran to the tomb. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves and he departed and wondering in himself what had happened. He still didn't quite understand it. Even though he had the words of Jesus in his mind, but that guilt and that shame will make you dull of hearing. It will, it'll actually hinder your ability to hear. So even though he heard the word to Jesus, he didn't understand it and he still went away wondering what had happened. Even though they just said, you know what, remember he said, in three days he's gonna rise again and do it. Three days later, the tomb's empty. Right? You would think this would be a logical conclusion, but it wasn't for him because of the guilt and the shame. It actually says in verse 16, right, their eyes had been kept from recognizing him. Right? It, it really had affected him at, at a heart level. Go on over to, to John chapter 20. John's account of this is a little different, as you would expect. John's, John's account is a little different. John chapter 20. Early on the first day, Mary Magdalene was there at the tomb. It was still dark. says so she came and um, she, she saw that the, the tomb, um, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she came running to Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, the other disciple who Jesus loved, there he is, John quoting himself, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've put him. So Peter came with the other disciples and went around and they both ran together. Now this is really interesting because if you read this, we're not gonna read this in all of the different accounts for the sake of time, but actually the angel actually tells them, go and tell Peter and the other disciples. I want Peter to come here. Make sure Peter comes here. Who do you think needed to be restored? It was Peter, Okay. He was in a bad place. But God specifically had that angel called Peter. Make sure Peter comes. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And he says, so Peter came out with the other disciple and why didn't he just say himself? I think this is really funny. So they, they went around to the tomb and they both ran together. Now remember who's writing this. This is John, right? John's account. And he says, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they ran together and the other disciple outran Peter course he did. Such a sibling. And he came to the tomb first. I bet you did, okay? Stooping down and looking in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not enter. But Simon Peter came following him and went inside the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth laying there, and that was around his feet. And he says, and in verse um, 8, he says, and he saw, and he believed, now this is really interesting, they both ran. One that was rooted in love and one that was rooted in shame and guilt. One ran faster than the other one. You see, when, you, when you're rooted in love, you're gonna go faster. You're unhindered. You're gonna, go, you're gonna run without regret. You're gonna run, and I mean, it could be the ugly running, right? No one cares, okay, right? I mean, like, it's just, this is the most exciting thing that's ever happened and I want to get there to see it, okay? He was running unhindered. But when you're running with the weight and guilt and shame, you're not sure what to do next. You're gonna run and there's a little part of you that's always being held back. We don't want to be held back. We want to be rooted and grounded in love so that we can run unhindered. But here's the end of the story here is that even though Peter was racked with guilt and shame, and he arrived at the tomb second, he was the first one to enter in. He was the first one to enter in. There's healing for you today. There's restoration for you today. Amen. God is starting to work in your hearts right here, right now, that even the enemy cannot stop. He cannot stop. He may have tried to keep you out. He may have tried to hold you back. He may have tried to weigh you down with everything that you've done wrong. But let me tell you, even if you've been sick for 50 years, it doesn't stop you from receiving the love of God and the healing power of God right here in this moment. It's available for you today. And let nothing hold this back. Let nothing hold this back. God has got good things for you today. How many people in here would say they are ready to change? They're ready to change. Come on, how many people in here would say, I'm ready to put down some roots, to get rooted. Say, I'm gonna ready to get rooted. Get rooted, come on. Thank you, Jesus. There is no reason why you cannot leave differently from how you came in today. Say, I am a candidate for healing. I am a candidate for restoration. I'm gonna receive... Everything the Lord has for me today. Amen. Would you stand up for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you are putting down roots right in our hearts as we sit here today. Thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that you're doing a work on the inside of us. We come against guilt and shame and condemnation. Every lie of the enemy every veil that, is, that has been put up in our hearts that separates us from God, that keeps us back, that holds us back, that slows us down from running the race that we're called to run. Lord, we're, we're entering in today. We're entering in. We're entering into resurrection life today, resurrection power today. Lord, we want everything that you have for us. Help us to hear you say the words, I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There is some foundational work the Lord is doing in people's hearts today. Some setting rights. He says, I'm setting right some things that have, that, that, there's people that have wronged you. I'm setting right the wrongs. I'm setting right the wrongs. I thank you, Lord, that your, your word is healing the hearts of every hearer, every believer today. We receive it Lord. I thank you Holy Spirit that as we go through this year. You will help us to, to become disciples to fall in love with your word again. To have a passion, a desire to read your word like we've never had before. And and Holy Spirit, help us when we read the Word to to see revelation, to hear You clearly on the inside of us, to where it's not just words in a book, but it's a love letter from You to us, where it hits our heart different, where it just hits different, where it just fills in the gaps. Lord, help us not just to have an understanding of You, but to have an experience of You in every part of our being, in every fibre of our being, Lord. Thank You, Lord. We receive that, that power on the inside of us, that sweetness, that peace, that love that fills in the cracks, that, that, that takes the sting of death right out of us. Thank You, Lord. Lord, I thank You. You're the God of restoration, that You speak life into the dead places, life even into the dead places. And right now, Lord, I thank You for my brothers and sisters that are here today, standing in faith to receive. Let their their faith be fulfilled today. Blessed are they who believe, for there will be a fulfilment of those things that were spoken to them by the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we declare healing in your bodies. Healing in your bodies. Put your hands up if you're here to receive healing right now. If you need to receive healing, put your hand right up where you're at. If you're around them, lay a hand on their shoulder. If you're in a row, you can make a chain. All the people with their hands up to receive healing. This is how this is going to work. Lay your hands on them real quick. You may have to move. This man, someone's got these hands on him? Awesome. This lady, this lady, put your hand on him. There you go. You can make a chain. There we go. Perfect. Everyone who's got their hands up that needs to receive healing, needs to have a hand laid on them by somebody else somewhere. Believers still lay hands on the sick and see them recover, you know. The Word isn't frightened by the things of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we release that healing into their bodies in Jesus' Name. And we take authority over every sickness, every disease, every demonic manifestation of things that aren't of God right now. Disease, virus, bacteria, parasites. Be gone in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name, right now we speak strength and wholeness over you. Strength and wholeness into every bone, every tendon, every ligament, every organ functioning as it was created to. Right now we release that into these bodies in the Name of Jesus. We command those airways to open and those lungs that have been scarred to become whole again. To take deep breaths without pain, we command those hearts to beat in unison with the Lord's. And let him, let your heartbeat match His. Let your heartbeat match His. We command those valves and those ventricles in your heart to be strong and pump in unison as they were created to. Right now, we command normal rhythm of the heart. Normal rhythm of the heart. No more pain in the feet, in the elbows. Someone's, someone's getting healed right there in their joints. Right there in their joints. Thank you, Lord. There is a healing even in the joints for full mobility of those joints in Jesus' name. No more arthritis. No more tendonitis, bursitis. No more bone spurs. Right now, right now, we command that back to straighten and to twist without pain, without discomfort. That neck to be unhindered in its, in its, in its rotation. Right now. We call an end to, to neurological disorders, seizure activity, and autoimmune dysfunction in Jesus' Name. We command wholeness, wholeness over those systems. Wholeness over those systems. Right now, every single part of you, every single part of you, the devil can have no part of your flesh, no part of your flesh. He's an illegal intruder, illegal. But we evict Him. Here's your notice served right now. Notice served right now. Someone's had problems with their teeth, with their jawbone. The Lord is straightening up. He's bringing alignment and He's commanding that pain to leave in Jesus' name. That jawbone becoming strong without the crunching, clicking stiffness. Without the pain. Without the headaches. Thank you, Lord. There's pain in the feet on walking. Pain in the the, the arches and the tendons and the feet. Right now, we come against that. We come against that that numbness, that tingling, that shooting pain that goes up and down the legs. Right now, we, we command that to be as it was created to be, with peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we believe it and we receive it. Every good and perfect thing you have for us in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's give the Lord a praise.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before you, uh, Before you leave, thank you, Carly. That was a powerful word. Man, so good. How many of you feel the power of God working in you right now? God is so amazing. God is so amazing. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up front. Um, But before you leave, I want to give you an opportunity to sow into Territus Ministries. They are reaching millions of people and that's not an exaggeration they're on on tv and they're on dates they're on saturdays and so they're god has given him a, a greater influence and a reach all over the world so when we sow into the ministry we're sowing into worldwide souls you know everywhere you know people that hear this this word and this message so we're very very blessed to have him Uh, come and minister with us and and their dear friends, but we also want to be a blessing to them and to their ministry. So I want to encourage you to sow into them. You You can do it through the app. You can do it by text. You can just make sure that on the notes you put, you know. Carly or Territus or guest speaker. And if you want to fill out an envelope too, you can bring it up to the red bucket at the end of the service. Just put there, you know, Ashley and Carly or Terradis Ministries or guest speaker either way. We're going to uh, add to it and bless them with it and send them out because, you know, we, we love to sow into what they are sowing into us. Amen. They're good ground. And, uh, you know, I heard Andrew say this. I'm going to butcher it probably. But he said, the money you keep dies. Like, but the money you give actually goes into eternity because you're sowing into something that is transcendent transcendent of you know earth of our life here but what you keep you know what you hoard you know that's just going to get lost. You're going to lose that one day. It's, it's going to be gone, you know, because you'll die and you'll go to heaven and you won't take anything. But what you get to give and what you get to sow actually, you know, makes a way for you. And it counts uh, towards you in heaven because it will be rewards like you, you sowed into by faith. You believe the Lord. You gave. You sent missionaries. You sent people. You helped build God's kingdom. And that does have an eternal effect. Amen. And so we have this opportunity, you know, that's why it's so different when we give into God's kingdom than when we just, you know, give to charity or, or, or whatever it is, you know. And so this is powerful, and I want you to know that. So it's an opportunity to sow into their lives. So I encourage you to fill an envelope, pull out your phones, and send them a gift. Or become a partner with them. You know, it would be awesome if you become a partner with them. You know, they have great resources. We do their power academy here on wednesday nights uh, power academy is a is a whole curriculum bible school they put together and so we're teaching that here on wednesday nights and and as a matter of fact on the 19th of uh, january we're starting with romans and it's going to be amazing so i want to encourage you to sew into the ministry thank you so much let me bless you and, and you're going to be dismissed father we thank you so much we thank you so much for our church family. Thank you for your presence, God. Thank you for the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that you're doing in this place today, God. We thank you for testimonies. We thank you for lives being touched and changed. And we thank you for the word. The word that we've received today that will put into action that will produce fruit into our hearts in the name of Jesus. We receive that word. We thank you, Father. It does not fall on bad ground, but in good ground today, and will produce 30, 60, and 100-fold in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. God bless you.